0: Not long. Not long. Not long. Why did Jesus have to die? I, I really had no idea why he did it. I'm just like, how would you describe Is some kind of that people can't? Can you smell, Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Non-existent. Non-existent. I grew up in Chess, so it definitely
1: very existed. But what do you think goes like?
0: Carrie. Probably Some country um explode the bomb on another country and it's just gonna have a Don't call it a country.
1: Alright, Summit. How are we doing this morning? We're doing good. Alright. Well, now there are a lot of you in here that, that I don't know. Quite a few of you, actually. Summit has grown a little bit since since we left. Uh, my wife and I, Ashley, actually is right here on the front, here with her family. Um, we, uh, we were here serving in a capacity. Uh, I was a worship leader here for about six months when everything got off the ground. And uh, man, it is just awesome to see what God has done uh, through you guys in your community just over the past month or so with the Be the Change movement. And uh, man, so I I just commend you as a, as a minister of the gospel. Man, whatever you guys do, do not stop what you're doing. All right. So give yourselves a hand. You guys have done an amazing, amazing thing for the glory of God and the gospel here, here in Hazard, Perry County, and beyond. Uh, Mark contacted me uh, uh, about a, about two months ago and said that I want you to uh, uh, I want you to preach again coming up this June. And I was like, well, okay. So uh, what am I preaching on? He said, I not got that far yet. So I was like, okay. That's fine. Just uh, just let me know. And, uh, and then about about a month a month passed by, and I was like, "All right, all right man, I, I really need to know because we're like we're like you know we're about six weeks out here, and so I really need to know what you would have me preach on on Sunday morning, June the 9th. And uh, and so here he lays it out to me. You ready for this? He said they're going to be a, you guys are going to be in like a theology study. They're going to call it don't call it a comeback. And I was like, theology study. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be so good, man, because the theology, theology means the study of God. So I I, I was stoked to hear, okay, how are you going to break this down over the course of six weeks? And uh, so he was telling me all these things, and I said, all right, so what am I preaching on? I'm ready for it. Let me know. And he said, I want you to preach on this. I want you to preach on the doctrine of God. You know, come again? The doctrine of God. Not, okay. Thanks, first of all, for narrowing it down for me. That makes it so much easier. If I'm going to give you a theology study, and, and theology in, in, its form, in its form means the study of God, and the, the guard, uh, Mark is going to let me speak on God. Okay. First of all, as a minister, I would hope that would kind of be the subject of every sermon. And second of all, if there's one topic that you can preach on that you could possibly preach on in its entirety and collectively bring everything around it where everyone can understand it within 30 minutes, yeah. it's not this. <laughs> and uh, so, man, I, I, for, I'll tell you the truth. For like for like a month after this, because there was like a month and a half left, I was like, God, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and praying to him. like, you, okay, I'm preaching on you. I'm I'm preaching on an infinite and all-knowing and all-powerful God, the one who created the heavens and earth, the one who created me, and I'm preaching about you from this. These people are in trouble because with my limited understanding as to who but I, I told Mark, I was like, man, you know what? I'm excited. I'm going to do this regardless. And the next time I ask you to come and preach, I'm going to have you preach on an entire Bible in 30 minutes. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. But uh, hey, uh, I was given this. Um, uh, you guys did not get these last week. Uh, this was made this to me just a while ago. Uh, the Don't Call It Comeback uh, handbook, I guess you would call it, or a devotional guide for the next six weeks throughout this series. If you uh, if you committed last week, I know Mark challenged you guys last week. If you committed to take this challenge last week and before you leave, there's going to be people waiting at the doors to hand these out. Make sure you get one. If you want to take up the challenge over the next six weeks while you're in this study to to get into the Word of God and to, and to have time spending the Word of God every single day, then pick up one of these. Uh, if if you don't want to take that challenge, just you know let somebody else take it. All right. If you don't want to take that, that's fine. Just don't grab one. But if you if you want to take the challenge, if you want to take the challenge, to be in the Word. For the next six weeks, every single day, about five minutes a day, pick one of these up before you leave, all right? Good deal. Well, guys, as, uh, as I was prepping and everything for my notes here, uh, I got to tell you, um, it, it, was, it, it was really hard, to, to say the least. And I started thinking to myself, I started thinking about who God is. And, and then it really boiled down to this one. It really boiled down to one question. Because I, I was thinking, okay, I could talk about God's holiness. I could talk about His mercy. I could talk about His sovereignty. I could talk about His justice, talk about His wrath, talk about leave I could talk about all kinds of stuff about God. But then I got to thinking, what is the one thing about God that I, Stephen Bell, I as a believer, what is the one thing about God that I tend to forget the most? I, I, I asked myself that question. What is the one thing about God that I tend to forget the most? And there was no question in my mind, very quickly, what that was. For about three years of my life, I went through a, a really, really just crazy struggle with fear, anxiety, and depression. And, and there are still times in my life where where, where that is a struggle. It, 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 it does not have control over me, praise God. But there are still times where I fight that. But there was about a three-year period to where every single day of my life, I felt like just going and laying in my bed and just crying. And I couldn't really tell you why. But, uh, but we, we started having our family, all three of our kids are here. They're, they're awesome. And I started, I don't know what it was that kind of brought that all about, but all I know, man, was I was just being beaten spiritually for three years. And the one thing that I kept forgetting about God in the midst of all of that was this, he's great, that's it, our God is great, now that may, some of you may hear that and you be like,
0: duh,
1: <laughs> yeah, just to be honest, yeah, I know that, in fact, I hear that all the time, in fact, when I was little, I prayed this prayer that said, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, fatty, fatty, yay, yay, you know, that last part wasn't on there, all right, we didn't add that last part on there. But the first thing we know is that God is great. It's such a simple, simple truth. It's so easy for us to say that. And and, and all of us will probably be quick that when we get in a situation, when we find ourselves in a struggle, we're probably all really quick to say God is great. It's an entirely different deal to believe God is great and walk in that. That is an entirely different thing. Because I say God is great all the time. But when when struggles come, when times get tough, it seems like that is the one thing I forget more than anything else about who he is. We sing a song all the time. It's sung in churches all over America and all over the world. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see. How great. How great is our God. Chris Tomlin, he is the most sung artist on the face of the planet. More people sing his songs than they do any other artist in the music industry right now. It helps that he has the Sunday morning church crowd on, on his side, of course. But but this is the song that has kind of become an anthem for, for just, just this big contemporary worship music that we see, that our God is great. And let me tell you something. Let me let me tell you how crucial this is for you to understand this this morning. Your worship of God, every single thing that we've just done, from songs we sing to lifting our hands to shouts of praise to, to the time sitting in quiet and rest and just being with him, however we worship your worship of God is going to be dictated entirely by your knowledge of his greatness. It will be dictated entirely about whether or not you think he's great and how great you think he is. Because Let's just be honest with each other for a second. If we don't think God is great, we're not going to give him the worship that a great God deserves. If we do think God is great, our worship is going to change drastically. And it's not just our worship, it's it's about our life, it's about a lifestyle of worship. If you live your life believing that God is great, that he is the God who he says he is, and the Bible is true, if you live your life believing that he is that great God, then every single circumstance that you come across will be affected by that. It will. Because how you feel about God affects everything else. If you believe that God is great, it's going to affect every single situation that comes about in your life. If you believe that God is great, then you'll realize that he is greater than any circumstance or any trouble or any trial that will ever on you. If you believe that God is great, you will believe that he's greater than your problems. If you believe that God is small, you will believe that your problems are greater than your God, and you'll lose it. You will lose it. You will drive yourself insane. You will drive yourself crazy because you will convince yourself that my problems are bigger than my God. There's no way my God can help me through this. There's no more way my God can deliver me through this. We're going to talk about the greatness of God this morning. And, and it's my prayer that when we leave here this morning, that we would leave in awe of who God is. That we would be blown away by the greatness of our God this morning. You guys with me? Are we cool? Is, is it all right if we go there? All right. Everybody say yes really quick. Yes. There you are. Awesome let's pray. Father, we come to you at this moment, and we ask, God, that you would open our minds to maybe just get a glimpse of your greatness this morning. That we would not leave here the same people that we were when we came in, God, but we would leave here blown away because of the God that you are. And we would realize, Father, that regardless of what we brought in here with us, regardless of what we're going back to when we leave these doors, God, that we would realize that you are the same God that you were 2,000 years ago when Christ took the cross. You are the same God there that you are here today. The truth about who you are remains the same, and you are great. Father, I pray that every word that comes from my mouth this morning will come directly from the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Let it be nothing in and of myself. Glorify yourself in this moment. Make us more like Jesus, and help us to trust and rest in you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a, there's, a lot of, uh, there, there, there's a lot of emphasis put on the fact that God is personal, but, but it's, it's a lot of the wrong emphasis. God is personal. He's a very personal God. In fact, we're going to see that here in a second from our, from our Bible. We're going to turn to Psalm 139. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen too. And then you, we're also going to go to Isaiah 40 this morning. But there's a lot of stress put on the fact that God is personal, but it's in the negative light. When we think that God is personal, a lot, of, a lot of times what people think is this, that God is like us in that there are times when he is weak, there are times when he is inadequate, and there are times when he is, just to be quite honest, kind of pitiful. Now, we have to fix a few things this morning as far as our thinking is concerned. Because when it really goes down to it, our biggest problems can really be traced back to, to a, really a horrible understanding of how great our God is. Our problems seem really big because our God seems really small. And, and in fact, and the truth is, we reduce God to the size of our biggest problem sometimes. And, and we put our biggest problem head-to-head with God as if they're in this fight together and we're rooting for God and we're, 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 we're cheering Him on and we're hoping He wins because we think our problem can ma- can. Can, uh, can stand up to him. And what we do there is we belittle God. We bring him down to this level. We bring our great and mighty God, the ruler of everything, the one who's in control of all things, we bring him down to this level and kind of cheer him on because sometimes he's weak and adequate and bitter. This is not the God of the Bible. This is not the God of Scripture. This is not the God who has saved us through faith in Jesus Christ. This is not the God who formed the heavens and earth with a word, with the breath of his mouth. This is not the God who says to the sun, rise. He says to the moon, rise. He says, tells, him tells things when the grow and holds the water in the palm of his hand. This is not that God. The God of the Bible is the one who does all those things. The God of the Bible is not weak. He is not inadequate. He is not pitiful by any means. But we like to think that he is because we like to think that God is more like us rather than us try to be like him. And so when our problems arise, we say, well, God, I, I really hope you can, you can do something here. I really hope this isn't too much for you. And, and I'll tell you something else, man, that really gets to me is when, when we, and we're so quick to say this, we're so quick to say Satan's attacking, And he may be, don't get me wrong, he may be. But yes, Satan may be attacking you. But remember, God is sovereign. God is great. God is good. And in the midst of the attack, realize you don't live under the sovereignty of Satan, guys. That is a good, good thing. Satan can't do jack to you apart from God's permission. You can't. And that's biblical. How do we know that? You look at Job. Satan comes before God, and you know what happens? A lot of people think, well, Satan came to God and said, like, yeah, you know, you know, Job over here. Remember, look at Job. That wasn't the way it worked. Satan came to God. God said, hey, look at Job. God looked at Satan and suggested Job. Satan didn't come with some plan that he was going to take out Job and his family. God came, Satan came to God and God said, you know what? I'm going to prove my glory whether you like it or not. And I'm going to prove to the world that I am great. And have you considered my servant Job? That's crazy when you think about it. And there's things about the sovereignty of God that, like I said, it's really unfair to say I'm going to talk about God in 30 minutes. Because there's so much of this stuff that we can get into. But right now, I just wanted to reassure everyone in this room that regardless of what you're going through, God knows about it. He is a personal God. And he is personal not in that he is weak like us. Not that he sympathizes because he shares those traits. But he sympathizes because he knows what we're going through. And he is greater than those circumstances. First John chapter 4 verse 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can say that a lot, but let me start, we need to start believing it this morning. Here we go. Ready? Ready? How, how can we get a right view of who God really is, a right view of his greatness? It really boils down to this. First of all, this is what has to happen. And Psalm 139 tells us this. We must, we absolutely must remove from our thoughts about God, we must remove anything and everything about him that would make him seem small. We have to get that out of our heads right now. Anything that we think about God that would make him seem small, it's got to get out of here. And I'll I'll tell you how we do that. We We do that in situations where we're kind of at the bottom of our barrel. We're praying to God. We're praying to him like, God, I don't know if you can help me, but if you can, I'd sure appreciate it. That is a very small God if he can't help you. He can. I don't know how he will, but I know that he can, and I know that he will if we just trust him. Because he is a great and powerful, loving Creator who is who is directly involved in everything that happens in our lives. How do we know that? Psalm one thirty nine, man. One of the greatest, in my opinion, one of the greatest psalms in all of Scripture. Listen to what happens here, and, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump through. I apologize, Danny, up there, because I, uh, I'm gonna be going back and forth. I'll, I'll try my best to keep keep you up here, man. Okay. Hey, let's give Danny a hand. I appreciate him so much for doing this for me this morning. <laughs> To the choirmaster, master, a psalm of David, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path at my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I'm going to stop right here for a second because I want you to get the the greatness of God's knowledge right here. Realize that you may think, God doesn't know what's happening in my life. God doesn't know what I'm going through. He, He just totally just destroys that thought right here. He totally destroys that and makes us realize this morning, I am not some puny, wimpy, little small God that you keep in your pocket. I am a great God, and I am so great that I know when you sit down, I know when you rise up, I know when you go to bed, I know when you wake up, I know what your thoughts are, I know what the words that are going to be coming from your mouth are, I know it all. I am not some little God who doesn't know what you're going through. I know you, and I know you intimately, he said. And then I love, I love what he says here in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand always upon me. There's a reason why the psalmist says that. God, whatever you go through in life, God is always before you, he is always behind you, and his hand is always on you. And here's why that's the case. He is before you because you will never come across anything that he has not already seen and not already prepared you for. Anybody get that? Are you with me? He's behind you for the very same reason, because nothing will ever sneak up on you that he has not already seen and he has not prepared you for. And in the midst of everything, regardless of what you go through, his hand is right here, and he's saying, "I got you, I got you. I don't, care. you know, I know what you're going through, and I just want you to know. If you leave here not hearing anything else, I want you to hear this from God this morning. He's looking at you, and he's saying, "I got you, I got you. You're mine. I got you. It's okay." And then look what the psalmist does in verse six. He says, "Such knowledge is too wonderful for me; it is high, I cannot attain it." Literally, David does this. He 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 says all of this about the knowledge of God. Then he goes, "That's good. That's good." He just rests. He just rests in the greatness of God. And then going on, I won't read all of them, but going on in verse seven, he says, "Where shall I go from your Spirit?" Where shall I flee from your presence? He spends the next like three or four verses talking about the greatness of God's presence. Uh, I encourage you to go back and read him where he says, I can't hide from you. If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the sea, guess what? You're there too. And he says, not only are you are there, but even there, your hand will guide me. Even there, your hand will hold me fast. This is a great God that we serve. He knows everything that's going on. Yet There is never a moment when we are outside of his presence. Darkness is as light to you, it says in verse 12. And then look what happens in verse 13 and following. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he goes on and he just talks about how the power of God in that God knows me, he's with me, and the way he proves that to me is because he has formed me, and he has created me. He has given me life. I am his. I belong to him because of faith in Jesus Christ. And regardless of what I'm going through, I can just sit back, even when it's all chaotic around me, when there's nothing but chaos going on, I can sit back and just go, it's all good. Because we rest in the greatness of our God. So we have to remove from our thoughts this morning any thoughts that you have that would make God small. Anything you would say to yourself like, God doesn't know what I'm going through. Yes, he does. Get that thought out. That makes God too small. It makes him way too small to think that. You would think, well, God's not powerful enough to see me through that. Yes, he is. Get that thought out. It makes him way too small. And that's not the God of the Bible. Yeah, God, God doesn't exactly see everything. He doesn't know that's going on. Yes, he does. In fact, get that thought out because it makes him way too small. Let's move on. Not only do we need to remove from our thoughts anything that would make God seem small, but here's the second thing we've got to do. We must compare him with things which we regard as great. And God does that himself. In fact, he goes to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, this is where God is talking and listen what happens here, man. This is insane. If we begin in verse 12, God starts talking about the works of his hands. And then he starts comparing himself to the nations and great leaders. And then he starts comparing himself to the stars and the heavens. This is a pretty intense passage of scripture here to, get us, to give us a view of the greatness of our God. Listen what happens here, beginning in verse 12. It says this. Who has measured the water and the hallows of his hand? This is God talking, by the way. And marked off the heavens with a span. Enclose the dust of the earth in a measure and weigh the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance (laughs) Who who has done these things? God is saying it is me. It is me who has done it. I can hold every drop of water in the ocean right here In fact, not only can I do it, I do do it It's right here I can can take the great mountains and they're they're like scales. I can put them on the scales. They're nothing they're nothing before me. These great and mighty things. He's comparing himself with things which we would see as great and mighty. And God is saying, I so put these things to shame. Moving on. Verse 13. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? And what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of knowledge and taught him uh, and taught him uh, justice? Who showed him the way of understanding? I, I love what God's God's like, who counsels me? We like to counsel God a lot. We do that through praying. Our prayers are filled with suggestions to God, giving God advice, recommending things to God. God, you are great. You are sovereign. You are in control of all things. You know the beginning from the end. But just in case, I I think this would be cool. God is good, and he works all things together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. We got to start believing that, guys. We got to start trusting in the greatness of our God and the fact that He is good, and the fact that He is with us and He knows all about us and He knows what we're going through and He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. And moving on, look what He says about the nations. All these great nations we have, our nation included, is considered a great nation throughout the world. These great and powerful nations. Listen to what God says about it in verse fifteen. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket and accounted as the dust on the scales. Go on down to verse 17. It says this. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. God is greater than any nation. He is greater than any president or world leader. He is greater than anyone walking the face of this earth. Why? Because he created everything that we see. He created everything that we know, and he is great. And then look what he says here. And this almost brings us to a close this morning, Then I want to share a couple of illustrations with you. I want you to look, if you would, in verse 26 of this chapter. And God says this. Actually, can we go back to verse twenty-five? Listen what He says in verse twenty-five: "To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him?" says the Holy One. Verse twenty-six: "Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these." He's talking about the stars. He's talking about the starry hosts in the sky. Who? He who brings out their hosts by number, calling each one of them by name, by the greatness of His might, and because He is strong in power not one is missing. I don't know if you've ever looked at the stars or not, other than just kind of sat down and looking up. Sometimes when the sky is clear, man, and the stars are out, it's one of the most beautiful pictures that God has painted for us. It's absolutely amazing. It's breathtaking. But I don't know how many of you also may have taken the opportunity to look through a telescope, anything along those lines, to get a little bit more in-depth view of what stars look like. Stars are pretty amazing things. And God has created billions upon billions upon billions, to where we can't even count stars. I want to sh- I want to bring your attention to two of those tonight, if I could. Anybody ever seen uh, Louis Giglio's talk talk on how great is our God? Anybody ever seen that? Okay, a few of you. I am totally ripping him off right now at this moment. All right, just so you know, it's not stealing. I'm just gonna make sure you know that ahead of time. But, uh, but he did the research, man, he did all this, and it blew my mind the first time I saw this. I'm so glad the majority of you have not seen this, because hopefully this will have the same effect on you that it did on me. He looks at two, and he looks at many other stars, but I'm just going to, for a second time, I'm just going to look at two. There is only one star in our solar system. As far as our planets are concerned, there is only one star in our solar system. Anybody know what that star is? It's the sun. The sun is a star. Well, hey, most- <laughs> It does. The sun is a star. God created the sun. Now, a lot of times we look at the sun. We go outside a and we look at the sun and we look up like it's hot and it's a long way away. That's pretty much about all we know about it at this point. There's been a lot of research done on the sun. There's been a lot of research done on all these other, on these other stars. I want to give you a few facts. And just to let you see how great our God is, I want to draw your attention. It's not on the screen. Psalm 33, verse 6. Before I get into these details, listen to what this says. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made they're starry hosts by the breath of his mouth that means when god created the stars he didn't even say anything when god when god created the stars he went and then boom, and there's stars everywhere now let me tell you, talk to you a little bit about these stars that he made with his breath all right this great God whom we serve that is intimately involved in our lives every single day, who knows us, who desires us. Let me tell you about this. The sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a little warm, all right? And that's sarcasm. 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, it's 93 million miles away from us. And light travels at 186,000 miles a second. So that means it takes roughly about eight minutes from the heat from the sun to get from the sun to your skin when you're outside. It takes roughly about eight minutes for that to happen. 93 million miles away from us. Now, here's the part that kind of wrecks my brain. Anybody know what this is? It's a golf ball. Do we have any golfers uh, in, the, in the house this morning? Any golfers? Any golfers? Any golfers? This kid right here plays golf. Anybody else play golf? All right. I don't play golf. I'm sorry. I, I'm not a big golf person. The one time that I went golfing, I had one good drive all day, and I hit a power line. I don't know how that happens. I didn't know you even put power lines across golf courses. Apparently, they do in Louisville. Okay? That's all I'm saying. If the earth were a golf ball, now, now here's the deal. We're, we're going to imagine. We're going we're gonna to stretch a little bit this morning. We're going to imagine that this is the earth. And somewhere you're on it. And if I started doing this, you'd all be drunk right now, so I'm not going to do that. Imagine just for a second that this is the earth. That the earth were the size of a golf ball, somewhere you're on it. So I want everybody to find themselves right now from where you're sitting. Find yourself up here. If the earth were the size of a golf ball, you ready for this? Then the sun, our sun in our solar system, would be 15 feet in diameter. Now, if you can't get a picture in your head where 15 feet in diameter is, I marked this out. Some of you may have seen me up here before the service started going like this. I was doing that for a purpose. I'm not just weird, okay? From this microphone stand to this microphone stand is 15 feet in diameter. So if you can imagine a circle with this being the two sides of the circle here, if the earth were a golf ball, (coughs) this is the sun. And here we are, and somewhere we're on this. And this was made by God going, that is a great God who was able to do that. You could fit 960,000 earths inside our sun. 960,000 earths you can fit inside our sun. That's enough golf balls to fill up a school bus with golf balls. All right? So the sun is huge. And our God holds it right here. Along with everything else. Now that's not, the, the sun The Sun is as crazy as the sun is. There's another star. There's so many other stars. But there's another star. It's got maybe a couple of pronunciations. You could either pronounce it beetles. Beetlejuice, because that's what the scientists have named it. I'm going to call it Beetlejuice simply because I'm a child of the late 80s and early 90s. And I'm not going to say it one more time or some freaky stuff's going to happen. I appreciate that some of you understand what I just did. And for those of you who didn't understand, you're deprived. I'm sorry. But uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and say it again. uh, Don't believe in the mumbo jumbo. But Beetlejuice, this incredibly crazy large star is 427 light years away. That's 427 times 5.88 trillion miles away from us. The Hubble telescope has been able to take pictures of this thing. It's insane. I don't have them for you. Louis Giglio, whatever his name is. Louis Giglio does. Go buy the DVD. It's amazing. It's incredible. But I want you to realize something this morning, Beetlejuice, this one star, is twice the size you ready what do you think I'm gonna say it's not twice the size of the Sun it's twice the size of the earth's orbit around the Sun that's a pretty big star it's twice the size of the earth's orbit around the sun. And if the earth were a golf ball, then Betelgeuse would be the size of six empire state buildings stacked on top of each other. Well, that apparently didn't do anything for you. So here's what you're going to have to do. Grab your golf ball. Buy a plane ticket. Go to New York. Get in front of it. Anybody ever been to New York been in the Empire State Building? Okay, I have. Crazy big. All right. Go to New York. Take your golf ball. Set it down right in front of the Empire State Building. Don't worry about looking weird or crazy. You're in New York. not going to notice? And then you run and get on the other side of the street. And then stare at your golf ball. And then look at the Empire State Building. And then just imagine five more Empire State Buildings stacked on top of that one. That's Beetlejuice. And there's the earth. And somewhere you're on that. And God holds Betelgeuse, the sun, and the earth, and all the waters of the earth. He holds it all right here. That is a great God. And he says, you can't even compare me to that. If the earth were a golf ball, You can fit, I mean how many is it? You can fit 262 trillion earths inside Beetlejuice. 262 trillion. We can't even fathom that number. 262 trillion earths inside Beetlejuice. That's enough golf balls. If the earth were a golf ball, that is enough golf balls to fill up the superdome with golf balls. 3,000 times. And God's got you. He's before, he's behind, and his hand is on you and he says, I got you. I got you. I'm bigger than you think. I'm greater than you think. I'm greater than you can imagine. But we're so slow to believe that sometimes. We forget that so much that he's has Don't we? I know I do, man. I forget that a lot. But God's telling us this morning I got you. I'm great. I am mine. You can't even begin to comprehend how great I am. But I'm bigger <coughs> than your problems, I'm bigger than your circumstances. I got you. <laughs> Amen. Everybody bow your heads here this morning, and you, at the sound of my voice, do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, let me explain to you the greatest example that God gives us of His greatness. It comes through the gospel. It comes through the fact that all of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of this great God. And because we've sinned, we're going to die. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we will be saved and all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of us in this room are deserving of death. We're all deserving of being separated from God for all eternity and God knew that. And he's so great that before he even breathed out the stars, guys, before he even breathed out the stars, before he even said let there be light, he said I'm going to save my people I'm going to send my son Jesus Christ to live a perfect sinless life to live the life that they cannot live God knows we've messed up he knows we've dropped the ball he knows we're not good enough but Jesus is Jesus came and said, I didn't come to do away with the law, I came to fulfill it. Jesus said, I didn't come to remove God's standard of you. I didn't come to, uh, to take God's uh, judgment away. I came to fulfill what you could not fulfill so that God doesn't look upon you in judgment anymore. Instead, he looks upon you with grace and love and mercy. But that's only through Jesus Christ. That's not through your efforts. It's not through you being good enough. It's only through you placing faith in Christ Jesus this morning. And so what I'm going to do here in just a second is Mark does every week. I'm just going to count to three. When I count to three, if you're here this morning, you would say, Stephen, this morning, Right now where I am at, I want to surrender over to Jesus Christ. I want to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And I want to live my life in service to my great God. I want to be forgiven of my sins this morning. And I want to walk out of here a changed person. I want to walk out of here a believer in Jesus Christ. Resting in the greatness and sovereignty of my God. If that's you, nobody's looking for you. When I cut it for you, just raise your hand around. You are ready. One, two, three. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? God is good, He is great. are right, you going put your hands down here in just a second this is what I want you to do if you raised your hand if you would be so bold enough we've got people waiting here in the back who want to talk to you about this decision this morning they want to talk to you about this decision and I want to encourage you to go to them they've got some material, material to put in your hands and want to tell you more about Jesus so if that's you and you raised your hand then I would ask you to be ever so bold right there where you are just to get up and walk back and there are people in the back right there, right now at this moment, who want to pray with you and want to speak to you about Jesus Christ. If that's you, walk to the back and go up to one of those people standing there and tell them you want to go about Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Stephen, you know what? Here, here's the deal. I, I'm in that boat. I forget all the time that my God is great. I forget all the time so often that my God is great. And so to this morning, what I want to do is I just want to acknowledge his greatness in the midst of my trial. I want to acknowledge his greatness in the midst of my circumstances. And I want to just recommit myself to him at this moment and say, God, you are great. You are in control. And whatever my lot, thou has taught me to say it as well. If that's you, you just want to know somebody's praying for you. I just want you to raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Okay, a lot of hands. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because I'm there with you, man. I'm right there with you. Let's be reminded of our God this morning. Let's be reminded of how great He really is. He is good. He's gracious. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fact, God, that you are so in control that before you even breathed out the stars, before you created the heavens and the earth, before you even said, let there be light, God, before the foundations of the world, you had already determined that Christ, that Christ would be given as a sacrifice for us. So, Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. I pray that you just continue to bless the efforts of this church. God, may everything that we do, may everything that we say, bring glory and honor to the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. You are good, God. You are great. Jesus' name, Amen. Guys, it's been a pleasure to worship with you this morning. Uh, on behalf of the band, we have enjoyed it so much, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna close things out here just a second. I want to encourage you this morning, though. Pick up again if you are taking that challenge for the next six weeks. Pick up one of those uh, uh, devotional guides over the next six weeks that you can spend time in the Word of God. Um, out there on the table, if you want, uh, we got CDs, t-shirts, stuff like that out there on the table, uh, you are welcome to uh, stop by there and we'll have somebody out there in, in uh, just a few minutes to help you there if you're interested in any of that. Um, are there any more announcements, anybody from some of the, anything that I'm missing that I need to make note of? Anybody got anything? All right, guys. Let's stand on our feet real quick. We're going to sing just a, just a chorus and we'll let you guys get out of here. Let's sing Open the Heavens.